Hi friends, welcome back to the Gate of Heaven video diary and I hope you're all enjoying the, the song from Mullah Hussein in the last episode, Gate of My Heart. In this episode, I'm going to share with you another new song that I felt inspired to write as a tribute to Caduce. So that'll be at the end of this episode. But before we get there, let's pick up the story. So after the death of Mullah Hussein, the siege at the fort of Sheikh Tabarsi continues. The, the prince Mehdi Kuli Mirza continues to, to launch his attacks on Caduce and his companions who, who repeatedly repulse these attacks with a, a bravery that just puts the prince's soldiers to shame. But of course, as time passes, the circumstances inside the fort become increasingly difficult. The, the, their food supplies run out, their, their water supplies dwindle down to nothing. The days turn into weeks, the weeks turn into months, and the conditions grow more and more desperate. Nabil tells us, the flesh of horses, even the leather of their saddles, had been consumed by these hard-pressed companions. They boiled the grass and devoured it with piteous avidity. As their strength declined, as they languished exhausted within the walls of their fort, Caduce endeavoured by his words of cheer and of hope to lighten the load of their agony. So somehow the presence of Caduce among them sustains them. He, he, he instills in them the courage to persevere and in their darkest moments he helps them to, to, to keep that candle of faith burning in their hearts to never forget the promise of the Bab. And he really becomes like their lighthouse, guiding them through the darkness and the dangers of the storm. Nabil writes, with steadfast fortitude they endured the afflictions which beset them from every side. Their hearts were set on the wishes of Caduce, all else mattered but little, neither the severity of their distress nor the continual threats of the enemy could cause them to deviate a hairbreadth from the path which their departed companions had so heroically trodden. So night after night, day after day, month after month, with these attacks coming at them, they persevere even through the freezing cold of the winter. And when the spring arrives, Caduce insists that in spite of the circumstances, they should celebrate Nauru's together inside the fort and make themselves happy. And one of the things that, that gives them strength is the words of Caduce. So you might remember that day when Mullah Hussein had visited Caduce in his home in Barfarouche, and he had read a, a manuscript containing some writings of Caduce, which were so remarkably similar in their effect to the writings of the Bab, and he realized that Caduce had become like this, this reflection of the Bab, this, this clear channel through which the Bab was, was transmitting his spirit to his followers. And now, inside the fort, Caduce himself is revealing divine verses, just like the Bab. The, the, these, these potent, poetic words are flowing out of him spontaneously, unedited, unpremeditated, complete and perfect the moment they leave his lips. This, this, this waterfall of heavenly beauty is flowing from the tongue of Caduce, just like it flowed from the tongue of the Bab. And though the companions are deprived of food, 
these verses of Caduceus nourish their souls and give them the strength and the courage to, to persevere. Muhammad Farugi says, God knows that we had ceased to hunger for food. Our thoughts were no longer concerned with matters pertaining to our daily bread. We were so enraptured by the entrancing melody of those verses that were we to have continued for years in that state, no trace of weariness and fatigue could possibly have dimmed our enthusiasm or marred our gladness. And whenever the lack of nourishment would tend to sap our vitality and weaken our strength, a glimpse of Caduceus' face, the magic of his words as he walked amongst us, would transmute our despondency into golden joy. We were reinforced with a strength of such intensity that had the hosts of our enemies appeared suddenly before us, we felt ourselves capable of subjugating their forces. And so they celebrate Nauru's, and all the while as they're celebrating, the cannons are firing, the army continues to riddle the fort with bullets. Occasionally a cannonball smashes through the walls of the fort, landing at the feet of the companions who, who utterly careless of the assaults of the army, are singing songs of joy and celebration for the arrival of spring. And this goes on, this siege goes on for nine months until eventually Prince Mehdi Koli Mirza, utterly confounded by the, the inexplicable resilience of these people, finally realises, he finally admits to himself that they are never going to give up, that neither can he defeat them in battle, nor can he induce them to surrender by force. And so in the end, the prince resorts to treachery. He sends a messenger into the fort, presenting a copy of the Quran as a peace offering to Caduce. And inside the cover of this Quran, he has written, I swear by this most holy book, by the righteousness of God who has revealed it, and the mission of him who was inspired with its verses, that I cherish no other purpose than to promote peace and friendliness between us. Come forth from your stronghold and rest assured that no hand will be stretched forth against you. I pledge my honour that no man, either in this army or in this neighbourhood, will ever attempt to assail you. The malediction of God rest upon me if in my heart I cherish any other desire than that which I have stated. And Caduce closes the book, kisses it, and out of reverence for the Quran, he says to his companions, by our response to their invitation, we shall enable them to demonstrate the sincerity of their intentions. And so Caduce and his companions step out of the fort and walk across the field. And the moment everybody is out, the prince takes Caduce captive and signals to his soldiers 
to carry out his orders. They immediately encompassed the remaining companions and opened fire upon them. Any who escaped the bullets were killed by the swords of the officers and the spears of their men. A few were cut to pieces with the sword. Others were torn asunder. A number were bound to trees and riddled with bullets. And still others were blown from the mouths of cannons. Several of them were made captives and were eventually sold as slaves. These unfortunate victims constitute the remnant of the companions of the fort of Sheikh Tabarsi, who survived that heroic struggle and were spared to transmit to their countrymen the woeful tale of their sufferings and trials. So the prince then puts Kadus in chains and takes him to his hometown of Barfarush. But while in transit, the, the, the prince finds himself becoming more and more affected by the, the uh, by Caduceus's character and and he's increasingly reluctant to ill-treat Caduce and by the time they arrive in Barfarouche the prince is filled with all sorts of doubts about what to do with Caduce. He doesn't want to hurt him and he decides that he's going to send him away he's going to send him to Tehran and the king can decide what to do. But the high priest of Barfarouche that that nightmarish monster, the one who in the first place had, had incited the king to send his army to eradicate the Babis, is determined to see the death of Caduceus. And Nabil tells us of the high priest, the hatred with which Caduceus and his cause inspired him blazed into furious rage as he witnessed the increasing evidences of the prince's inclination to allow so formidable an opponent to slip from his grasp. In the fury of his despair, he appealed to the mob and sought by inflaming their passions to awaken the basest sentiments of revenge in their hearts. His diabolical skill soon won him the sympathy and support of the masses. I have vowed, he imperiously protested, to deny myself both food and sleep until such time as I am able to end the life of Caduce with my own hands. And as, as he watches this intimidating mob gather around him like storm clouds, the prince starts to fear for his own life. He thinks they're going to attack him. And out of sheer cowardice, the, the, the spineless Prince Mehdi Kuli Mirza gives Caduce over into the hands of the mob and he runs away from Barfarouche, saying to them, I wash my hands of all responsibility for any harm that may befall this man. You are free to do what you like with him. You will yourselves be answerable to God on the day of judgment. He abjectly surrendered Caduce to the hands of an unrelenting foe, those ravening wolves who panted for the moment when they could pounce with uncontrolled violence upon their prey and let loose on him the fiercest passions of revenge and hate. No sooner had the prince freed them from the restraints which he had exercised than the people of Barfarouche arose to perpetrate upon the body of their victim acts of such atrocious cruelty 
as no pen can describe. By the testimony of Baha'u'llah, that heroic youth who was still on the threshold of his life was subjected to such tortures and suffered such a death as even Jesus had not faced in the hour of his greatest agony. So the following passages, which describe the death of Qudus at the hands of the people of his hometown, are really quite difficult to read, but I'll try to read them for you. Such were its circumstances that the Bab, who was then confined in the castle of Shirik, was unable for a period of six months either to write or to dictate. What pangs of sorrow he must have felt when he learned of the shameful treatment which his beloved Codus had undergone in his hour of martyrdom at the hands of the people of Barfarouche. How he was stripped of his clothes, how barefooted, bareheaded and loaded with chains he was paraded through the streets, followed and scorned by the entire population of the town. How he was execrated and spat upon by the howling mob how he was assailed with the knives and axes of the scum of its female inhabitants, how his body was pierced and mutilated, and how eventually it was delivered to the flames. And yet amidst his tortures, Caduceus was heard crying out a prayer for the forgiveness of the very people who were doing this to him. Forgive, O oh my God, he cried, the trespasses of this people. Deal with them in thy mercy, for they know not what we already have discovered and cherish. He had scarcely spoken these words when the enraged multitude fell upon him and tearing his body to pieces, threw the scattered members into the fire which they had kindled for that purpose. In the middle of the night, what still remained of the fragments of that burned and mutilated body was gathered by the hand of a devoted friend and interred in a place not far distant from the scene of his martyrdom. And so the martyrdom of Caduce, the Bab's beloved final letter of the living, brings to an end the Mazandaran upheaval, an upheaval in which nine out of the 18 letters of the living had participated and had lost their lives, and, and which Nabil describes as what must ever remain as one of the most moving episodes of modern times. So, before I share this song with you, which is a, a personal tribute to Caduce, I wanted to just bring this episode to a close with a remark that was once made by Baha'u'llah's brother, Mirza Musa, who said of Caduce, the charm of his person, his extreme affability, combined with a dignity of bearing, appealed to even the most careless observer. Whoever was intimately associated with him was seized with an insatiable admiration for the charm of that youth. 
We watched him one day perform his ablutions and were struck by the gracefulness which distinguished him from the rest of the worshippers in the performance of so ordinary a rite. He seemed in our eyes to be the very incarnation of purity and grace.
Oh, you saw was blue sky.